Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. everybody and welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast. I'm Canton Repository staff writer Cliff Hickman and I'm here with the Maslin Independence Chris Easterling and this is the FridayNightOhio.com podcast and we have a packed show for you. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Cliff. How are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. It's always weird to be back in the the repository studio. The building is usually so full of life, and it is it is empty here right now. <laughs> I think we're all sort of experiencing some weird uh, weird sensations and everything uh, the last uh, the last few months, and you know that includes just uh, what it's been like on Friday nights out uh, out watching football games. Oh, I can imagine, and we're having you on to talk about, like you said, unprecedented season, but we wanted to to really dig into the Maslin Tigers, who are off to to another great start this year. How have things been going uh, for Maslin so far from your perspective? Well, I think, every you know, the expectations have been raised so high. I mean, the expectations are always high for Maslin. But when you do what they've done the last two or three years with the talent they've had, those expectations take on a whole new life. And, um, you know, I think uh, that's no different this year. You know, they obviously have a lot of great players on both sides of the ball. But, you know, we've gotten so used to the last couple of years of watching them, you know, They'd be up thirty at halftime. <laughs> They'd hang fifty or sixty on somebody, you know, occasionally even a hundred on on people. But you know, this team just seems like it's a little different. Um, not in a negative way. It just you know, it's been the defense I think that's really set the tone for this masculine team. I have to say, over you know the last decade or so covering them this might be the best defensive tiger team i've seen and you just have to look at what they've done the last two weeks back-to-back shutout for the first time for the program since 2005 back-to-back games with with teams actually less than 50 yards of total offense and columbus bishop sycamore and warren harding and they hadn't held a team two teams consecutively below 100 yards since 1993. So, uh, you know, they're really playing well. And they're doing it with a defense that's got a whole lot of new faces. Um, and, and so that's just, you know, sort of added to, you know, kind of the, you know, the difference, I guess, a little bit with this team compared to maybe maybe previous teams. And what is it about the defense that makes it so good? Obviously, when you open up the box score, you see they're not allowing many yards and, and shutting opponents out, which is extremely difficult considering the competition they're playing and, you know, just the high school, the, the way the rules are for offenses. It's a it's a pretty rare feat. 
you know what? They really play great 11 as one. Um, they, they really play well as a group. Um, you know, you, you talk about the defensive line and guys like Caden Woolard or Mike Miller or Michael Billman, and you talk about how good that position group's playing, and you, you think, well, the linebackers with guys like Jamatius Portis and Nick Liebler and Jaden Weiser, you're like, well, I, you know, they're tuning. And then you go to the secondary, which has been, you know, a, a number of, of, of guys from Jaden Ballard to Andrew Wilson Lamp, Isaiah Clark, uh, Austin Brawley. It's it just every layer of the defense has been doing its job. And the thing you notice is when somebody makes a tackle, it's not just one guy. It's two, three, four players all around the football. And I think that's just, you know, it's really the definition of team defense that that's really, uh, really made them, uh, really made them special to this point. And we're going into this Friday where the Tigers are going to be hosting Benedictine. What are you looking for in this matchup, Chris? Oh, I'm curious to see. You know, Benedictine is really, really talented. Um, they, uh, you know, they took Hoven to the wire last week, uh, only lost 31-24. You know, talking to uh, Benedictine head coach Jarrett Good, you know, the thing he said is, they feel like they, you know, they they didn't play their best football, and they were within seven points of the Hogan team that I, I think should be argued as the best team in the state at least right now in any division. So you know, for Benedictine to feel like you know they sort of let one get away against that caliber of opponent, uh, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how they come back and play a match on team that I think also feels like it's one loss was a game they let get away in, in St. Edward. And, and both of these teams, you know, the Division two teams, they're, they're, with everybody going to the playoffs, if they want to be in the playoffs this year, we, we, we could see this game again down the road. It's just, you know, it's just sort of a, a – and an early or mid-September, you know, playoff preview almost. You know, it's an opportunity for, I think both these things are sort of looking at is that this is sort of step one to to getting ready for the playoffs because, you know, after this, you know, Nassau goes in Ignatius and then obviously the big one with McKinley before they get into the, you know, the, the playoffs. So, you know, I, I just, you know, it's another chance to see what this team does against a, a, a high-quality opponent because, that's really all Maslin's going to face the rest of the rest of this regular season. Yeah, the schedule for Maslin looks uh, pretty difficult the rest of the way. But for this specific game, what are some of the key matchups to uh, keep an eye on this week? Oh, I, I think it's uh, it, it starts up front. I mean, you know, I know that's sort of cliche, but Benedictine's offensive line is is all five returnees. Uh, from a team that that went ten and two last year, made it to the second round of the playoffs, and, and like I said before, you know Nashville's defensive line has been playing really phenomenal football uh, the last couple of weeks in particular. And you know, how does that matchup work? Can they get pressure on on uh, Benedictine quarterback Ronnie Schultz, uh, make him uncomfortable because he's thrown for more than than 200 yards in each of his, his first three games, including 288 against against Hoban last week. So if Maslin can make Ronnie Schultz a little uncomfortable in the pocket, 
Uh, that really throws, you know, that really, uh, you know, kind of throws Benedictine off schedule a bit. And then on the perimeter, uh, uh, Mervin Conkle is uh, is Benedictine's, you know, sort of big play receiver. And I'm, I'm curious to see how, how the Tigers, you know, match up with him. Who do they put on him? You know, how does, you know, can they, can they prevent him from sort of, hitting the home run on them because that's something he's been very good at over the first three weeks. And then on the flip side, I want to see how Benedictine schemes Maslin defensively because the first three weeks, one thing Maslin Coach State Moore has, has talked about is they're seeing teams really bail in coverage. Basically, they're playing, you know, their corners are playing eight to ten yards off the receiver and basically turning and running. And their safeties, he said St. Edward's middle safety was playing 20 yards off the ball. So, you know, it, it seems like teams that have played mass up to this point are really trying to take away the deep pass to, to Ballard or Wilson Lamp or McDavid Johnson or something. So uh, how does Benedictine play Maslin? And how does Maslin, you know, what does Maslin do to, to adjust to that? Do they... A lot of you know screen passes or quick passes to guys like Johnson or Ballard or Austin Brawley or or, or you know did we get a study that I had of Raekwon Vincent running the ball that that that's something I'm really really curious to see you know how it progresses through the game. Absolutely, and just how has the Maslin offense developed so far? I know they obviously lost some key pieces from last year, but it, it still appears they found ways to to put up points this season. Yeah, I mean, like I say, you know, the deep ball was such a big part of their offense last year with with Ballard and Wilson Land both going over a thousand yards. They they were sort of able to to burn some teams, a lot of teams, you know, deep, and with that. You know, not being there. You know, they got a new quarterback in, in Zach Catrone, who's who was Aiden Longwell's backup the last uh, three se- uh two seasons. I'm sorry, two seasons. Uh, you know, but you know, Zach came in and, and started the opening sets, but missed against Mister Sycamore because of an injury. But he was back last week, and you know, he's a little different quarterback than Longwell, but he's certainly a capable quarterback because you know he. He came in on in relief in a regional semifinal win a couple of years ago. So I, I think he's getting comfortable. They got a, a very, very good offensive line that's, uh, that's experienced, although uh, it's a little different because they lost Rager Ells, a, a returning starter at guard, to, to an injury in week two. So they've, they've shuffled some things up a, a little bit, but, but that group has, has played pretty well. And again, it's, it's just getting the running game going because they, they want to be a run. The run game is always going to be an important part of their offensive game plan. And, you know, Vincent's sort of a power back. Uh, you know, a year ago they had Harris Keyes Jr. who was, you know, he could play with power, but, you know, man, you gave him a crease and, you know, he could take it 70 to the house, uh, you know, on, on any given play. So, you know, there's just, again, you're just, you're fitting some new faces or, or new starters in some different spots, but but you know, and there's a little bit of growing things with no scrimmages before you know the, the regular season for them. So I, I think they're you know each week they're going to get a little more comfortable, and, and you know I think playing the teams they're playing in the regular season is going to help them prepare for the playoffs. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see what this this group looks like once it, it does get to the postseason. 
Obviously, one of the top games of the week, again, this Friday, 7.30 p.m., Benedictine at Maslin. Is there any other games in Western Star County you're looking forward to this week, Chris? I know you're uh, you're pretty busy with Maslin, but uh, Northwest hosting Manchester looks like another big game over that way. It is a huge game. Uh, I can tell you, uh, you know, being some quite familiar with this, uh, this that, that specific uh, area, um, you know, it, it has, it, it is, a, I think, sometimes a, an underappreciated rivalry. I mean, I know there were, you know, years that they didn't play, but since Northwest joined the pack, it's, it's really reignited a rivalry between two schools that are about 10 minute drive apart. And you got them both state ranked. The Northwest has just played exceptionally well over the first three games. And I think there was some mystery about Manchester, you know, first year under uh, somebody other than Jim France and in decades. And, you know, Jay Brophy's team goes out last week and sort of shocks, Shots fairless, seven nothing. So they're coming into this game with a lot of confidence. Uh, emotions are going to be high for this game, and, and so you know. And quite honestly, you know, the winner of this game sort of gets a leg up on uh, on winning the pack championship. And I think you know, for Northwest, you know, they're they're trying to reestablish what they had, you know. When they were, you know, the, the latter stages, they were in the NBC. They want to get back to being that team that contends every year for the playoffs, contends every year for the, the league championship. And with John DeMarco, somebody quite familiar with contending for league championships in the NBC from his time at Louisville, um, you know, they're, they're getting there. And it's it's going to be, a, that's going to be a fascinating matchup uh, for sure. I was really impressed with Northwest. Uh, I was keeping my eye on several games, but last week I caught the the stream of them against Triway. And Jordan Mick, man, he throws a fat – I mean, that ball comes out and it comes out fast. It looks like it might dislocate a finger if you're not ready for it. You know, the, you know, I, I've watched a couple of their games on streams also, you know, and, you know, the thing that you, you talked about, the, the, the release, you know, he's a he's a Division One prospect, a catcher in, in baseball, and, you know, you know how quickly you have to release the ball to, you know, the, to get the throw down to second for, you know, trying to catch a, a base stealer. But uh, I've also thought that the thing I've noticed is the touch he's shown – uh, he dropped a pass. He threw a pass to Nick Dinkins in the season opener at Orville. That it was just a perfectly placed ball that Dinkins was able to pull in right before the back at, back line of the end zone. You know, there's so you know he's also developed a little bit of touch. I just think working with John DeMarco, who's you know, as you know from your you know covering him at Louisville. He's he's amazing with quarterbacks. He's amazing with offenses, and you can just see how there's a certain simple simplification of the offense that they have. As good as it is, that it's sort of simple. Also, I think that takes a little bit off of the quarterback. In this case, Jordan Nix, and you're seeing it result in in production on the field. 
Absolutely. Uh, coach DeMarco is a great coach. I think that was a, a great hire for them. And their defense last week against Triway was really good as well. Uh, Triway only had seven points, and those came really late. It was basically a running clock, and, and the backups may have even been in at that point. And the one time Triway did get in the red zone, uh, the Indians found a way to intercept it. I, I just really like this Northwest team. I like what I saw on both sides of the ball. I think they have a chance to to do something pretty special this year if things keep trending this way i absolutely agree you know that defense you know we always get obsessed with the offenses uh uh, not just northwest but everywhere but but again sort of like with maslin you know that defense is sort of uh you know sort of under the radar they've sort of mixed and matched a little bit based on personnel based upon who the opponent is you know they've gone from Physical teams like CDCA and, and then this week with Manchester to you know more wide open teams like Orville and and, and Triway and you know they've been able to, to get the matchups the way they want it and and the defense has just done a, a great job and you know it, it's sort of a complete team and you know it, it, it is going to be fascinating to see just what kind of uh, what kind of noise they can make once uh, once they get into the postseason. Absolutely. And are there any other games you're personally keeping an eye on this week, Chris? Uh, you know, obviously Terry McKinley. I, I mean, it, it, it's sort of a standalone game there on the, on Saturday night. Uh, you know, McKinley, I think this might be the, you know, the most talented McKinley team, uh, you know, and that's saying something over the last few years. Uh, you know, Elijah Wesley just continues to be be special for the Bulldogs. And, you know, I know talking to the Perry coach Keith Wakefield this week, you know, he's like, you know, they felt like last week against Hoover, they did a good job sort of containing the running ability of Connor Ashby. But he says this, with, with you know, Wesley, it's just such a – it's just such a different dynamic with what he can do with the football in his hands. And you've got to worry about him throwing the ball also if you're Perry. And, you know, I know the defensive secondary has been something Wakefield's been very, very, you know, sort of camp has really been excited about, about the skill level, about the experience level. Well, that, that secondary is going to get tested this week because McKinley's got weapons all over the place, but, uh, you know, it's going to be it's just going to be an interesting matchup because I, the uh, outside of last year, Perry has really you know more than held its own. It's it's beaten McKinley, you know, in recent years fairly regularly. So, you know, I don't think Perry goes into a game like this exactly intimidated by McKinley or McKinley's talent. You know, they they played against these kids for a while, so. It's about going out there, strapping it up, and 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 playing what uh, what what should be a, a just a fantastic football game. Yeah, they've played some common opponents as well. Perry defeating Hoover and Lake, and McKinley defeating some of those same teams. I think this is going to be a really, really fun game. And like you said, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. McKinley just runs away with this. I think this will be uh, tighter than you might expect. Yeah, I mean, and we didn't even talk about Perry's offense with what Josh Lemon is doing. I mean, he is, uh, you know, there were some questions about him during the preseason. I know with a little bit of a, you know, a 
tweak of, of an injury, but there's been no signs of that during the during the regular season. He's been sensational and been arguably one of the maybe the best running back in, in Sark County this uh, this season to date. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see that uh, that matchup as well as Ken McKinley sort of keep that Perry running game with uh, with Lemon and and Don Venus. Uh, uh, another running back who had 100 yards plus against Hoover uh, last week. He, he, I mean, he, again, like most big games, it's not just one matchup. It's going to be multiple matchups and that that really worthy of keeping your eye on. Absolutely. And real quick, we'll run through the rest of the Federal League matchups this week. Uh, Glen Oak taking on Lake. Glen Oak nearly pulled out a win over Jackson last week. Just having watched Glen Oak, the one thing that's really underrated about them is their defense. It's really, really solid. They got dealt a really bad hand early when Isaiah Knox went down for the season with that broken wrist in the first game against Hoover. Uh, Lake is is playing pretty well. The the question is when Drayden Owens, how much he's going to be able to contribute and whether or not he's healthy. Uh, we have Central Catholic at Jackson, another really good uh, local rivalry. Central Catholic coming off its first win of the season. Jackson held off Glen Oak last week. And then another really good local non-league game, Louisville at Hoover. Uh, the thing that impresses me about Louisville, having watched them on stream, they don't turn the ball over much on offense. The thing that's hurt them the last two weeks has been the special teams. They let up a, a kick return for a touchdown on the opening play last week and had a, gave up another big return, and, and that really allowed St. Vincent St. Mary to get off to a strong start and kind of pull away early. Uh, Hoover looking to rebound from a couple losses in a row. I'm sure they're going to have this one marked. I, I think that's definitely a game to watch for both teams. Any thoughts on any of those, Chris? You know, it's funny. You know, you're running off the matchups and, and including some of the games we talked about early. It, it seems like week four is sort of, uh, sort of a rivalry week. You know, Louisville-Hoover is always a traditional game. Uh, and, you know, Louisville beat Hoover a year ago. Uh, so, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see, the, you know, how much Hoover's looking to not just get back on the wind she cracked for, you know, this year, but but also, you know, make it, you know, avenge last year's loss. And, you know, Jackson Central, you know, you talk about two teams that, that are coming in off of just the confidence boost they got from a, from a win. You know, you know, having played on winless football teams, uh, you know, I, I know what that's like as, you know, the losses stack up. So to be able to just sort of, you know, exhale and get that, that win and that winning feeling, you know, I would expect two very, very motivated, uh, motivated uh, football teams there in that Central Jackson game. And you mentioned Isaiah Knox at, at Glen Oak, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, growing up really, it just had the last few years just sort of this snake bit at that quarterback position. Because I can remember a couple of years ago, they played Maslin in, in week two, and they had Kendall Richardson. You know, he was supposed to play quarterback for, for, for Glen Oak. He had started at quarterback, and early in the first quarter, suffered a, suffered a leg injury that uh, – that knocked him out of the out of the the game and knocked him out for the season. And you know, Glove never really could recover for that. So you just hate to see those type of things because you know it really does. 
I don't care what the school is. You take that, you know, you take that kid out from from behind center that that you're counting on. You worked all all off season and preseason with that guy at the at the helm. You know, it, it really does. Uh, it it can really throw you throw you off track. Absolutely, and I think Ricky Adams has done a really admirable job filling in for them. That was a tough spot. He had actually, I talked to Bo Balderson after the first game, and he told me he had been playing wide receiver throughout the summer and had pretty much switched positions and to go back to it, and and he's keeping the team in the games and they have a good defense. I think that's, I mean, I think he's done a really good job under the circumstances. That's a tough spot to find yourself in pretty much right out of the gate. Absolutely. You know, it does, you know, and, and credit to, credit because, credit to that young man because it, it is tough. You know, you're sort of thrown to the, you, you're sort of, sort of thrown to the fire and, you know, you have to, you know, you have to, you have to respond and it's good to see that. And, you know, you can tell by the last, last week, you know, it was right there for them. You know, they didn't get rattled falling behind said nothing to Jackson. They were able to come, come, come back and take a 20 to 10 lead. Just now, you know, the, how do they respond, you know, against a, a late team that, that I think we all thought coming into the season was going to be pretty good. And you look at them at one and two and, you know, their two losses are, uh, you know, a tight one to McKinley and uh, one to, to Perry where the, you know, they lose their, their, their star running back, uh, you know, early in the game, which, again, something that kind of knocks you off schedule a bit as a, uh, as a football team. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a really intriguing game to keep an eye on. And to wrap things up, we're going to go through a, an area I cover uh, pretty regularly, the Eastern Buckeye Conference. One to keep an eye on, even though Alliance is winless, Canton South at Alliance. Canton South is undefeated this season. They've got a really great quarterback in Poochie Snyder. They have Trent Chavers, the, the running back, who had four rushing touchdowns against Minerva last week. Greg Reed is a terrific coach. And then you have Alliance. You have Brandon Alexander, uh, who's done a little bit of everything for the Aviators. He's thrown for over 400 yards, run for 200 yards, and has 200 receiving yards. So he finds a way to get his hands on the ball no matter where he's at he's six foot three and kind of a load in the open field uh there were some interesting stats i dug up this week alliance has not started zero and three in league play since 2012 they haven't been zero and two in league play since 2013 uh, Canton South has not defeated Alliance since 2014, so some interesting things at play there. I think that's going to be something that's, that's going to be uh, worth keeping an eye on. Also, senior night for Alliance. They have a ton of seniors, and uh, both coaches thought Alliance could easily be 2-1 and one or 3-0 and oh at this point. They've had some really bad luck late in games. In particular, uh, Coach Seth Whiting said they've had seven trips to the red zone this season that have ended in no points and that really hurt them in the close losses to Marlington and Bedford and then we have Marlington at Salem Marlington had its game against Kent Roosevelt waved off at 12 30 p.m last Friday on game day uh, one of the Rough Rider players tested positive for the coronavirus so the game was waved off at the last second 
uh, Salem coming off an impressive come from behind win over previously unbeaten Carrollton. They were down 14 points in the fourth quarter. They end up uh, scoring 15 points in the final six minutes to win, including converting the two-point conversion. So, you know, Jack Johnson, and then he's the son of head coach Ron Johnson. They run a really unconventional offense. Uh, Marlington, Connor Evanich, uh, there's some really big quarterbacks in the EVC. Another six foot two, six foot three guy with really good touch. Uh, we've got Minerva at Beaver Local. Uh, Minerva's played a, a pretty tough schedule. I think they are better this year than they've been in the past. But Beaver Local, I look them up, having a really great year. And uh, one that's uh, kind of going to have a lot of eyes on it, West Branch undefeated this season, uh, going down to Carrollton. Brock Hillier has been on an absolute tear for the Warriors. Double-digit touchdowns already this season. I believe I counted up at 14 total touchdowns so far for the West Branch quarterback through three games. So whoever wins that one, probably going to have a pretty good leg up in the uh, EBC race, though if uh, Carrollton finds a way to win that one, that could allow some other teams to, to get back in it. I was going to ask you about the Alliance because, you know, you look at that football team and you think how talented they are, you know, and and you obviously mentioned some of the stats, but, but just kind of your feelings about, you know, just kind of luck of the draw or lack of luck in the draw for, for the Aviators? They've had – it's been strange. I did watch some of the Bedford game. They, uh, We talk about them having some troubles in the red zone. They got stopped at the goal line, you know, on four tries a couple of times in that game. And then Bedford scores in the final two minutes to win it. So it was the, the short yardage situations that kind of hurt them in that game. And they do have a ton of seniors and a ton of talent. I did not have them 0-3 at, at this point. I thought they – possibly we're gonna you know walk away with the ebc title again with all the players it's not just it's not just brandon alexander you're talking about wide receivers like uh dylan baguera and you know guys like that and it's just uh you know andrew dats at tight end and defensive end that's another really big body and they have so much talent and it, it's just kind of strange i know they had uh, a game ceiling interception against marlington called off on a penalty it's just been some you know some bad luck and some uh, some strange occurrences so far that that have really hurt them but they they have more talent than that 0 and 3 record would indicate for sure what about Marlington you know kind of losing you know losing an opportunity to play almost at the last moment what uh, have you had a chance to, to, to ask Mark uh, going just what what has been the mood and 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 what was it, what was it like this week for for his team you know kind of getting ready for this week well they were obviously disappointed that was the first thing i asked him when i talked to him on monday and he told me that's you know it felt like the the kids kind of had the rug pulled out from under on him because the game's the fun part you know they had gone through all the the practices and the meetings and the film study and and all the things that aren't necessarily the most fun things in the world to get to that point and you get to the day and then they cancel it i think that was that was pretty hard on the kids and 
and the coaching staff as well everyone that put hours in uh, they understood it was for safety precautions and I think they said it just makes them appreciate the opportunities they do have to play and they're really looking forward to getting on the field this week the, the one benefit he did say it had there are no injuries right now on the Marlington list that pretty much cleared that he said they're a hundred percent healthy they didn't play so they couldn't get hurt so everyone is available for the game against Salem and then you know Marlington going through something similar to what uh, you know another team that uh, we haven't mentioned yet but the St. Thomas Aquinas as well St. Thomas Aquinas yeah that was a strange one uh we couldn't you know, both of them said they mutually agreed to not hold the game. And then there was some conversation that wasn't quite mutual. And they were kind of some finger pointing at one or the other. Uh, that was a, a whole ordeal with Aquinas. They're back in action against uh, Rootstown this week. Rootstown's off to a really strong start, I saw. So that's uh, that's definitely one to keep an eye on as well. Hopefully they'll be able to get on the field without any issues. I'd imagine that's got to be more frustrating than anything is the administration things and things that are just totally out of your control as a coach or player because, you know, Aquinas, there was no one on the team sick. I guess a student at St. Thomas Aquinas had COVID and that was the concern from the other party and that's what kind of we – surmise led to the cancellation of that game but uh yeah, no official confirmation on that but that's what i drew out of it so that that, that was another tough one 2020 in a nutshell <laughs> absolutely well it's been great to have you here chris i appreciate you taking some time to talk and i'm sure the, the maslin fans are really going to appreciate uh, hearing from you as well that's a again a really great game this friday 7 30 p.m against benedictine you'll be out there and i'm sure have all kinds of stuff for us absolutely i'm looking forward to it all right. Well, thanks for your time, Chris. This has been the Friday Night Ohio.com podcast. I'm Cliff Hickman with Chris Easterling, and we will see you next week.